Okay, well, welcome to our latest edition of Techman Talks Dynamics. Uh, we're in a unique position, I think, today that the four of us are in the same room to record the same podcast. And non-socially distanced. And non-socially distanced. Well, the restrictions are down, aren't they? So we can, we can get together and, and do this in a, a more informal way. We're all um, double jabbed. Yes. Yep. That shows everything about our age, doesn't it? But there we go. <laughs> uh, but I think it's one of those topics that it doesn't seem five minutes since we were talking about the Wave 1 release back at the beginning of the year. And here we are now coming to the middle end of the summer and we're talking about what's going to come in the October or Wave 2 release of Business Central. Microsoft announced that a couple of weeks ago. I think we've had a quick, I'm not going to say we've digested it, but we've had a quick <laughs> a quick browse through some of the, the highlights and, and looked at a few in more details. So um, I know, James, you've got a list of uh, the, the key areas. Is there anything that, that stands out or anything you want to cover first? Oh, there's loads of stuff that stands out. I mean, I, I, and the other thing is this list is not static. It seems to grow occasionally as they slot something yeah. else so, in and as it comes you through find stuff to that release. isn't even on the list. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you definitely need to keep an eye on it as we go up to kind of uh, October the 1st and, and the release comes out. But, I mean, there's some, some nice um, additions in there. There's some finishing off pieces as well. So, um, definitely good. Um, I think I have to start off with the bank and payment reconciliation improvements. That's been on the list for... The fifth time, sixth time. Somebody's um, campaigning yeah, really hard. Somebody really wants to get that right, don't they? But it does seem to be getting progressively better. Yeah, I mean, the Wave 1 uh, statement import, it, that wizard works really well. Yes. So you can finally point it at your ASCII file and it kind of chops yeah. it up correctly and yeah. brings it in. So it definitely benefit, but interesting to see that they've, they're going again on that. What's next? Uh, default line type. On sales and purchase documents. I mean, really simple, but every new user goes in there, misses it out, tries to type a item number in the item in the number field, and wonders why it won't come up. So again, it's it's it's. But it's it helps with speed of entry, simple. doesn't it? Yep. You know, that we just get those orders on faster. What else? Somebody got else for, got one to for, pick? Finally, some additional columns on yeah. on get receipt and get shipment lines, purchase order for matching purposes. Something that we do nearly every customer so that when you go to match purchase invoices you can see the original purchase order number external um, document number external well. document number um that extension or customization another one that can go in the bin yeah i think there's there's some not some talking of additional fields and columns um quite a big one i think description two and name two is across the board now so a lot of customers probably don't even know what they are because they're hidden by default um, but it's been there since day one. Every customer name has a name too. Every item has a description too. And it's already on the um, the tables in the background. They just never put it on the pages. So yeah. finally that's there. So. You put an external document number as well now on a journal, on a general journal or a recurring journal. Yeah. And so, you know, if you had to go through and do all the personalizations, it was a pain in the yeah. backside because it was a lot of pages to yeah. do that on. So that it's there by default, I think it's, yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, one thing to remember, it's probably not on any of the reports. So um, just bear that in mind. Although, more report news later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's good. Um, variants getting some love. Um, yeah. So ISOM variant code on demand forecast. Um, not that many customers will use that, but the ones who need it, well, I think before we've come across the problem where you suggest using variants and it hasn't gone all the way through. Yeah. Um, and yes. we're just getting these small incremental changes now in this area and lots of other areas where these, these things 
will then go all the way through. So if you go into Udemy, you can use them properly. Finishing and you haven't off. got to have yeah, the, a, a load of development to, to do that final bit to make it really usable. And linking to that, you've also got the stock keeping units. So in wave one, we had the production bomb and routing entered on there, but it didn't work with planning. So a bit of a half a job. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that now is going to be included into the planning calculations. So yeah, brilliant. I think that's pretty huge because that means you can have a different route uh, per location. Um, you know, so if you manufacture the same thing in multiple places, um, very rarely do you have the same machines or the same routing, same work centers, machine centers. Um, so you can now, you know, that that was a frequent customization as well. That's um, that's another one that's gone in a bin. So yeah, really good. And, and variants, I think variants are going to be um, used a lot more in the future because you've got that that, that possibility um, to use it. You won't have to use item tracking quite so much. And actually it works better because it goes through planning. Maybe next one, one for the list for the next release is having variants to be mandatory. So if you are using yeah. them, you have to stipulate Yeah, that's, it. that's really that's, annoying, yeah, isn't that'd it? That'd be another extension we could throw <laughs> in. But yeah. It is. The minute you don't have it, that all the information just becomes useless because yeah. it's, you know, you just... And you, how do you even know, you know, that you should have it? Yeah. It needs to be, you know. Yeah, and actually... If you've got variants, then to not have a variant probably wouldn't make sense, would it? No. So it, it just makes sense. So adding, you can now add non-inventory items onto requisition uh, worksheets and planning worksheets. So um, inventory items has been non-inventory items has been there a while, mm-hmm. but it, I don't, not many people now. use it. I think still think, but lots of people still use things like GL lines. Well, what was it? Twenty sixteen, it came in. Yeah. But I suppose the nice thing about them is, if it, especially if you're doing things like back-to-back orders or, or special orders, you can get it all to put the whole order to pull through now rather than just... And consumable items, items I tend to use... But yeah, I, I think well, if we if we went and asked all of our customers, there's a lot of people still use GL lines for those kinds of things because that used to be the only option. Um, so, and, and you've got the, inv- inv- the type as well, haven't you now as well? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few things I'd still like to see, you know, automatic shipment of non-inventory items when the first shipment is posted yes. so that if you use it for a delivery charge or yes. something like that, it just goes through. You know, again, we've got a whole library of extensions that we use again and again. And and sooner or later, Microsoft, I guess, will catch up with that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a start. I'd also like to see a proper requisition form Rather than you know requisition worksheet, it's great for purchasing, but how do I go and say I need a desk or I need a, a part for a machine or and you know I don't know who I'm going to buy it from or the price I'm going to buy it. I just want purchasing to go get yeah. for me as um, as a team member as well from a licensing perspective. Yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. that's always been a bit of a showstopper, hasn't it, for people when it comes to putting in purchase ordering systems yeah. that that to have a. a licensed full user for them just about to well, input a purchase I mean, order really it's only the purchasing team that should raise a purchase order isn't it it should, the rest should raise a requisition i think that's what you want so you know that would be a simple extra couple of pages that would really boost the functionality but we'll you know hopefully it's an idea somewhere and getting votes delegated admin on a job queue so it <laughs> doesn't have to be the the same user you can uh, have the that running with the the job queue running with a different user. I think that was your your request, wasn't it? Yeah. So this has been a conundrum for a while in that support team can't um, 
you know, your partner support team can't start a job queue um, because it was considered by Microsoft a security hold that you could effectively start a job queue that executed a bomb you know, three months later or six months later. Um, so it had to be a user in the organization that started a job queue. But the problem is they'd start it and then it wouldn't execute properly. So it would stop again. And so it would be back to support to try another permutation till it got and it ran properly. So the idea um, that, that I came up with was to ask them if they could get it so it would execute once. And so you could prove that it works. And then when it's correctly um, working, you could ask the users to go uh, start it on a perpetual basis, and they've they've delivered that. So that's a. Do we know that's, that's, that's in, in this release? That is what's happening. You can only do it once, is it, or do we not? Have we not got down to that level of detail? You saying? Uh, we haven't tried it because obviously this is all in preview, Liam. But um, you know that you can't try any of it. At the no, moment. no, no. You we didn't know the details in there. Were, um, um, I, we I believe from the discussions <laughs> that uh, I've seen, and, and and you know there was some discussion. Um, on one of the MVP calls about what was um, what was coming, I believe that's that's what they plan on doing. So that's great. I'm just going to mention the removal of obsolete reports 204, 205, 206, and 207. Some people might look at that and panic because that's sales order, sales invoice, and they might think they're not obsolete. I still need those. Um, that the that they've moved over to, to Word layouts for the, the standard documents. They'll remove those obsolete ones. If you've got bespoke versions of those, then they'll be in a different number. So removal of those reports won't um, won't affect people. Yes. So they're just then sit, sitting there in the background as obsolete. Size, um, it doesn't mean that there is no longer a sales invoice or a sales order. No, and I think the uh, GB local versions. They're different are still there. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're different, but they're still there, aren't they? So. I don't know. I think they are. Sure, they were last time I looked. That'll be on the next. That'll be on the, on the next one. Yeah. Remove of those obsolete <laughs> reports. List of trusted partner apps. So this is quite a new concept that you can, I, I guess, whitelist um, a set of apps. Um, the partner can whitelist a set of apps to uh, allow installation into a tenant, um, rather than people just going and picking something from Yeah, and I, I think as a user, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? You've got no clue who the partners are behind them, um, what their pedigree is, yeah. what um, what the quality of the app is. So to be able to have a a, a reduced list of, of ones that may be tried and tested more is quite useful for the, for the customer. Otherwise, it can be a little bit overwhelming, I think, when you go in there and you think, hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, again, I haven't looked at the details. Does anyone know, is that, coming into the tenant or would it be into a live database that you might have that but you could put what you wanted into maybe a, the test area and give it a try I'm, I'm, I don't know I don't think it stops you I don't think it stops you just because it's not it just, it just gives you a list trusted, to give it's, it's, okay so like, the partner just allows you to say yeah. go try these before you go yeah, looking for my, something else yeah it's the way I read it yeah you still go and install what you like at your own risk. <laughs> but the, the customers will go, you know, will go and find something themselves so, yeah. and, and yeah, you know, I've had this before where They've gone along and installed something in their sandbox and say, what do you think of this app? And it's like, oh, that's new. That's really good. Yeah, yeah let, let's let's go and find out about it. And then we'll go. Yeah, and we can share it. that with yeah. others, can't we? And the, on the other hand as well, someone else might install something and go, actually, this doesn't quite do what I expected. Um, I mean, so we can share all, that. All of a sudden, I can't ship in the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing works. But I guess the removal of extensions, that's the other thing with that, isn't it? Once you put an app in, it's so easy these days to take something yeah. out. Yeah. 
you're not left with that horrible feeling that we need someone to untangle the mess we've just created. Yeah. Well, that yes, although you still have to be aware that you know if it create it can do a lot of mess to your data while it's well, in there. So yeah, the yeah. fact that you've taken the app out doesn't uh, put the data right. Okay. Um, so yeah, it does need a little bit of care. So um, unsurprisingly, enhancements to Microsoft Teams integration. Uh, yeah, I've had a look at that. There, there wasn't a huge amount. <laughs> I think you're going to get a new button on the web client um, and the Business Central app that are, will allow you to push directly to Teams. And now you can choose, because it mainly used to go into chat from, from, I think, the Wave 1 release. Now you can choose whether it goes into a team, a chat, you know, or any other area of Teams. So it's, uh, it's that level of integration. So it's just basically pushing data. Although non, I think Business Central people can still obviously then use that data to view it. They can't do anything with it. Yeah. So you can push data around from BC around the rest of the organisation if you use Teams. Okay. It's useful sometimes to send the right link. You know, lots of people are kind of uh, pasting kind of item numbers or, or customer numbers and so on in there. So it, it does speed up productivity for them to just be able to click on it and open it when they get it rather than having to... Yeah, and I think once you get the... You didn't find it. Like all the stuff with the power apps and everything that you can push data through, if one of the actions of that is that this item or something gets pushed through onto Teams into a certain team channel, if it was, mm-hmm. I don't know, a complaint and you wanted that, there was an issue with this item and automatically it gets thrown into the customer services team and they might not have access to Business Central, but they can see exactly what the record was. You can see the data flowing around in that that, that format and that yeah. might be useful. But I, th- I think the, the Teams... Um, it will really come into its own when workflow hits Teams. You know, uh, so you go into Teams and it tells you you need to do this and this is outstanding or this has happened and so on. So I think that that's that's what I'm waiting for in terms of, of where they go. Um, obviously, we've got more improvements to Power Automate integration um, and some of the missing APIs have been filled in with this release from what I can see. Um, so I think we are getting closer and closer, but the day that the Power Automate integrations and pre-built um, uh, flows are equivalent to the inbuilt um, workflow, um, and and they can take the inbuilt workflows out and and just rely on Power Automate, I think that in combination with Teams will be awesome. But we're Probably two or three releases away from that, maybe. Well, I, don't know. I think that. I mean, the the, temp, the templated power automates for BC. It's it's pretty well much all of your internal BC workflow equipment. Equipment that you know they're all listed there. So you've got all your document approvals and customer vendor item approval, journal approval, and you just choose the template and it creates it all. You just have to fill in the company numbers and. But then, because it's then in Power Automate, you can then go expand yeah. it and put some more logic in there so I actually think well, yeah, I don't see why you would use the internal workflows rather than Power Automate now so do you th- would you be happy Matt if they took the internal workflows out yeah actually it's confusing yeah the matter by having them in I mean some of it, it relies on it does rely on though most of the functionality so so just take the pages out yeah yeah, yeah. okay interesting interesting Point of view. Um, what else have we got? Features. Um, little, little one. Uh, rounding on uh, if you're using alternate units of measure. So I've got pieces in a box, and I book in five instead of six pieces. I don't want four point eight eight seven seven of a box. Yeah, I might want it to round up to one. 
Okay. So that's features coming in which can be useful. Yeah. Because otherwise you get yeah. stupid. Yeah. yeah. Lots of decimal numbers on yeah. your uh, base unit of measure. Some more education, isn't there? These app tours, I haven't seen what they look like. It would be yeah. interesting, but I know other competitors' products do that quite well. So if you're new to the product and you want to go through a, a learning process, I know it's not click here, click here and push you around. If they, yeah. if they follow that type of yeah. Um, yeah. format, it'll be There's a push to make things simpler and to make things easier to use alongside the videos as well, because you've got some changes to dimensions and posting groups uh, with lots of people find really confusing when they set up if they need to change there's some changes around there to try and make it a little bit easy to set up and to um what's the what's the word that they use uh, um improved user experience is it it it, 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 it basically says improved user experience to stop to stop it going wrong <laughs> which is quite a big statement i'd be interested to see how they can completely stop it going wrong but um, they've obviously looked at areas where maybe people have struggled to understand how it all fits together in the past or where it does go wrong and you've got things posted into the wrong place with the wrong dimensions and tried to simplify that so I think there is a push towards simplification and, and um, I suppose one of their like high level mm-hmm. goals every time you see what's coming in down the future is simplification and mm-hmm. so well, you, ne- you never end doing that do you? maybe one day Clippy will come back with this thing <laughs> Clippy has made some return <laughs> on the office he's a new yeah, emoji now <laughs> Hey, it looks like you're trying you're trying to post some dimensions which don't look right. For younger listeners of the podcast, Clippy was something that happened in 1997. Some admin stuff, which I think is cool. Um, admin of the organisation can decide up front which users or user groups get the Excel and Outlook add-ins. So and it will yes, auto central de- deployment. Yeah, and it'll yeah. auto deploy. Nice. So yeah, that that takes yeah. away a headache for yeah. especially on prem. Um, the, the other one I like as well is copying environments. So on on SaaS, you can copy production to a sandbox, and that's the only way you can go. Now you're going to be able to copy sandbox to production, sandbox to sandbox, production to production. So if you've got multiple production environments, or if you, as you're implementing the system. Perhaps you've done something in sandbox. You want to say, right, we want to now move this into production. Mm-hmm. So a bit more, bit more flexibility there. Yeah. As a license cost of having more than one production. There is, yeah. You, you, you only have one production out of the box. And three sandboxes. So yeah. um, I think it's great. Um, I think this on the initial implementation, that's, that's really useful to yeah. be able to test everything in a the sandbox. Then when you're happy, push it to production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a, another one which I think the support team will love being able to restart an environment. Yeah, I hope that's not... Um, I hope we don't have to do that yeah. very often. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. you know, when we have to do it, and we have to do it when a, when a user process runs away and yeah. nobody can stop it, you can be sat waiting a couple of hours, something for it to you know, hit an error and then roll back. Or, or we're having to log a call with Microsoft to get them yeah. to do it. Yeah, and no, I, th- I think... Um, Having had some conversations recently with customers, there is still some concern about um, when you're moving to the cloud, having that lack of control, um, and 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 these kinds of things just yeah. put that that back into into your um, into your remit, don't they? To be able to do it, should you need it, and like you say, hopefully not very often, but if you can do it instantly rather than having to wait yeah. a few hours, then that can make a big difference, and it just makes. Um, particularly, you know, maybe the more traditional IT people feel a little bit more comfortable <laughs> that they've got that in their locker should they need it. 
talking about multiple production environments, you know, uh, more countries yeah. supported. So um, Myanmar, Puerto Rico, Chile, Argentina. Um, no disrespect to any of those, but we are filling out the list nicely now. Slovakia, Ukraine, Bulgaria. You know that there's there's um, you kind of get into a, a list where you kind of expect the country to be on the yeah. list rather than off the yeah, list, yeah. Um, which is great to see. Um, I think it just shows how far this product has come from kind of the two or three countries it started with in 2017. I think in 2021, with those 10 they've added now, I think there's about 13 or 14 last time. That's, that's quite a big yeah. increase in the, the territories that are available to take business Well, you've central. got more and more partners in more and more countries going, we need this. And, and you know, in a lot of instances, creating those localizations, I yeah. think. So, um, you know, as more and more have done it, Others are finding it easier, and there's a template to follow, and all the rest of it. So I just think you're gonna, we're gonna be in a situation where we have pretty much um, global, especially with the growth of Azure, that you're gonna get more and more of these available in different SaaS territories as well, rather than just having their localization. They'll be available in the cloud, yeah. and that's again a great uh, benefit to most of those com- countries. So development list, um, lots of different things. Um, you know, uh, force sync of customer specific extensions in online environments. Um, on occasion, that has caused issues where there's a mistake made and you're trying to overwrite the schema. Um, and and you, could, you could do that on premise, but you couldn't do it on an online environment. So that's, that's useful if a, something's been done. Um, an AL API for sharing files in Microsoft 365. Um, I think every partner has had its own library, but with all of the authentication changes which are coming with the deadline of next year, hopefully, you know, that one will address those authentications and give us a, an easy way to sh- save a file into SharePoint or wherever, whatever you want to, to do with it, um, which, which will be really useful. Um, AL performance with, with the snapshot debugger, so profiling um, to be able to capture um, performance issues, you know, again, better tool set. I think there's, you know, again, they're just incrementally pushing the boundaries um, forward. And 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 again, it gives just a little bit more control and a little bit of mobility to see what's going on um, rather than having to rely on Microsoft to tell us. Yeah, Yeah, I must... I guess if you're at Microsoft, you get frustrated because they solve one set of, of, of requests and we immediately come back with, now we need this. Um, you know, but they are um, they are providing a lot of those. So, um, yeah. It allows a certain amount of self-service as well. So. Yes. Well, that's it. It's better for Microsoft. Microsoft. Reduce their support um, questions considerably. I mean, it was, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned a suggestion that you'd come from. Many of these improvements have come from uh, feedback from partners or end users that, yeah. that actually are getting upvoted to becoming the product, you know, within 12 months. I think that's that's quite great when it, when you think as a customer you've got that power, that if enough people are voting for that, it will appear in the product. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's worth those, doing. It's worth putting yeah. them out there. It's, it's worth yeah. trying to... Um, trying to drum up some votes to try and get it because yeah. they are coming, they're coming thick and fast. I mean, the BC Ideas site, if you go on it now, um, you know, they, they don't take the old ones off, they're, they're done. Um, so actually, you're probably looking at there's as many done as outstanding. 
So you can go and put your clipper request on there. <laughs> <laughs> so how many votes you can get? I'll be on it. <laughs> but, yeah, again, you look at it, and if you get if you get in, votes into three figures, pretty much you're up there, and you you've got a very good chance of um, getting it done. I don't think they actually look at where those votes come from either. So if you get everybody in your organisation, well, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, cousin. So, sign your kids up with a you know a Microsoft account and get them to vote because um, yeah, it, it does seem that uh, you know that that's a way of getting action, um, providing it's a valid request. Some of them you see, we're not doing this because this is the alternative way we've done it. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's valid, it gets considered, which is great. But, you know, there's a few, a few things on this list that are lots of little things grouped together. So performance improvements, usability improvements, yeah. um, and they'll have all come from little requests that have passed through. The, the usability stuff, there's there's one which, which really bugs me, is when you're a kind of experienced old NAV user like me, old as age and how long I've spent with it, going down a list and using F8, copying the field above and doing that really quickly kind of like bang 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 it just doesn't do it in SAS there's like a better no, set. wait for the previous yeah. line to yeah. change before the, yeah. the FA you get the little arrow up here then it, and, it's, and, and yeah and that's that's going to be sorted apparently in this version which is unhindered do. data entry across rows yeah I think that that counts that as and performance incru- improvements in the business central web client I mean, it's pretty quick anyway. The way science is not yeah, bad, is it? And all the time it's getting better, isn't it? I mean, you, Are you using it now, Liz? <laughs> yes, I am, actually. I, 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 you know, or when I have to go back to the Windows client now, I hate it. I hate it. I, I was doing a session today with uh, one of our sales guys and he was looking at an old system and he was just like, oh, how'd you do that again? It's like, so how, how'd you change... Um, Profiles. Oh yeah, you have to go into user personalization and log out, log back in again. It was just like oh. one of our new academy program was given a support call to look at a tooth on two thousand and nine. <laughs> I think his words were, "It's blowing my mind." <laughs> I didn't quite work out um, what was going on. Yeah, I think you know we we because they're incremental changes. We don't kind of realise how far it's come. Mm. Um, but you know the, the web client particularly. I think you know when it was first introduced in. Or was it 2009 R2 or something? One of those, wasn't it? 2013. Oh, yeah. It was just. It was just. It a- was kind of. Ooh, this is clunky. Um, even even up until fairly recently, if you were an existing user, it was challenging to make. I mean, most most came in in BC 15. Were, yeah, when it was your only users, choice. It was BC 14. Better. It was usual. For for new users, but for existing users, it was it could still have been a bit of yeah. a challenge, and we've still got. We've still got lots of customers on BC14 that are still using um, the old client, not the web client. Yeah. That's a new challenge. See, some of them are coming into preview almost immediately, aren't they? Some of the development features, public yeah. preview from August. And I think some of the links to Microsoft 365 also are coming in immediately, but then we'll get a better view of some of these as we get close to release. And you so may get always. some things which get delayed a month or two. You may yeah. get new features that come in, but get delayed a month or two but yeah generally I mean most of them will hit October but sometimes you tend to see some which straggle day for a month well, you, you saw it with the spring release the wave one release where actually it was CU3 I think where quite a lot hit um, you know which technically was what April May yeah. June um, so it's three months in uh, you know Microsoft seemed to take a policy of a, a conservative approach of making sure 
it's as right as it can be before they, they go big on it. You can't argue with that, really. I'd rather have it later. Not right. with the automated yeah. updates. It, 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 you can't be pushing things through that are just going to cause lots of issues for yeah. the customers that are already live. Be interesting to see how many of the feature enhancements are in feature management as well. So, you know, you can turn them on when you want them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really nice facility to have, I think. But I, I'm not sure... You know, how many users understand feature management is there and are going and actually adopting stuff before actually it just turns on by default. Because you mm. technically, you look at the features that are in there, you've got 12, 18 months tops to adopt. New pricing is one. Yeah. You know, new pricing is was introduced last October, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's coming around to it's going to be mandatory before too long. I hope some people are turning it on enjoying it one of the things i've fed back is that i think you know from a certain point for new installations it should be on by default so that in effect you don't set up why the hell would you set up using the old way of doing it only have to change very quickly so and actually the new pricing when you the more you work with it the more you realize actually it's much better much more flexible, much more logical. Yeah, and I think being able to set up a, a price list yeah. is what people kind of expect, really. Isn't and, it? you know, version control that price list, so which one comes into effect on which date, yeah. Um, yeah. the way it should be. Discounts and prices on the same sheet. Wait, finally. Yeah, why wouldn't um, you? If it's there, use it now. Yes, absolutely. So that's, you know, I think every user out there should go and look at feature management regularly and go, actually, you know, this month we're going to turn this on rather than perhaps wait for it to all hit in a big bang. Mm-hmm. Okay, any more? A couple, couple, couple of bits, integration. Um, so the Dataverse integration, um, you know, into CRM typically, mm-hmm. um, it's there's always been a challenge when one of those products doesn't go live at the same time. You know, so rather than going big bang on both that you introduce CRM later, which is fairly typical that to link the records through has either been a manual process one at a time or we've had to write something. But now yeah. there's a tool there to do it, to link records on bulk, which I think is good. Yeah, very good. Um, show reports from named and shared Power BI workspaces in Business Central. I think that's just a logical little change that's going to make it Easy significantly to easier yeah. to understand and, yeah. and set up your um, Power BI shows um, the way you want them. You've also got... Um, a, this is one, again, a feature that was in older versions that when you're going to run a report, you can actually get the data set that sat behind that sat behind the report extracted into Excel. Okay. So you know, typically if, you, if you're debugging a report or you want to you know, try and understand what's going on with it, you can just push it all into Excel and just see the raw data that's forming that report. This table's useful. not right. Yeah. And the last one I've got is uh, if you're calling OData, so from external system, you can pass it the read-only intent. So SaaS environments have a kind of like mirrored version of the database. And if you pass a call for the data with read-only intent, it points it to the the kind of copy database so it doesn't affect your live no, nice. database performance. So that's, that, again, that's, that's a really nice feature. Fantastic. But yeah, that's, that's all my list. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see what they add to this list at the last minute. Mm. You know, they've done that consistently. There's obviously something gets finished, 
that they perhaps weren't sure was going to make it or not make it for this release and they'll they'll shove it on the list at the last minute but um so we'll need to do another one of these um With the <laughs> in october to say this has actually arrived or it's you know maybe service pack three or cu3 as we said well, they get um, they get revert they get re- release windows now don't we so they don't just release on that on the day as you said it's over the next two or three months when this is shipping but yeah you seem to be able to spin up a um you know, what what seems to happen is on the da- day you're able to spin up a a BC 19 on the 1st of October. So if you create a new instance, it can always be the latest instance. Um, but upgrades of existing tenants seem to be um, quite a few weeks later. And, and quite often you'll see that, you know, they'll start maybe rolling that out in Australia mm. um, and then they'll hit a problem. And so they'll suspend it and then it will come back a, you know, a couple of days later, you'll get um, Australia. America being upgraded and so on. I, I don't know why, whether it's, you know, um, Australia, America, Europe, or whether that's the normal order. But it, it's quite interesting when you've got notification from tenants around the world, you see that happen, start and stop, and then eventually they seem to get to the bulk of Europe and the, and, the, and it blows out across UK, um, for instance. And when, when we did the Wave 1 releases, in terms of those SaaS upgrades now that are happening, they all went relatively pain-free do we learn anything from those that we'll look at in from october or i I don't think there's an awful lot to learn i mean that you know that the fear when SAS was coming along was was what the breaking changes would be how much you'd have to update your customizations um i think yeah the major one came through for bc18 and i think we had six different extensions on different clients that we had to go and um look at um, to, to update them to make them work um, so six failures out of how many thousands yeah. of extensions have we got out there now it's, it's got to be in four figures right yeah um, and so you know they're doing a good job by and large of keeping um, keeping the breaking changes um, to a minimum now um, as time goes on, you've got this thing called obsolescence. If they're if they're if they're replacing something like pricing, we just talked about, right? If your customization is to the existing pricing, you're now getting notifications that that pricing, the pricing tables that you were looking at, are now obsolete. But that's not um, that's not a breaking change. So your your upgrade won't fail on that because it's notification that it is obsolete. Yeah. So that's where your partner really needs to pick up on. Hang on this is a changing prospect and start discussing with you, right, pricing's changing, how, you know, are we just going to yeah, upgrade what you've got? How do we engineer that into the new pricing? So that actually when pricing, when the new pricing becomes mandatory in, I think it's spring next year, wave one next year, you're not suddenly faced with like 30, 60, 90 days maximum to get that updated and, and engineered in. Um so, um, you know, that's, that's something that um, as things have been marked as obsolete for longer and longer, we'll start re- reaching the end of those obsolescence periods and, and we'll see the number of failures go up probably. Um, but if, you know, if we're ahead of the game and on the ball, um, we'll pick them up and, uh, and go back to the clients and, and work with them 
give them plenty of time to to adapt to those changes. I don't remember there being like a sense of nervousness around the office in the spring with the spring releases. You know those those fears from a few years ago that. I hope everything goes all right. Covered all coming one morning and ah, yeah. I mean, I think I know that was they've changed the way it works now, and the way that the, the speed it rolls out in terms of you've got some ability to have a bit of control over that. But I don't remember it. there was there was nothing that I know I'm not in the, the heart of it like probably Liz and her team are. But we'll put you on the notification list for the um, you know the whether they've say succeeded or failed, Liam. And, and and the biggest thing that I notice is that my inbox goes nuts. Because you get a, an email for every single one of those tenants, and every you know production sandbox, all the rest of it, um, you get one saying that we're going to update it, and typically another, another one saying this is successfully it's now on this release, and and you know that's for us with uh, the SaaS tenants, we've got that's a that's a Sorry. hell of a lot of emails now. So um, and, uh, and only getting bigger. Fortunately, you know inbox rules in Outlook uh, do come. T- are your friend in that situation but yeah it's um making sure you've got those notifications set if you, you know, if you're using SAS, you really should um make sure those are set up um and look Someone's uh, be on on top of it yeah okay well i think in the 10 months of doing the podcast the the number one show that's gone out in terms of listens has been the wave one release so obviously people find this type of topic really useful so I'm hoping that'll be the same after uh, today's episode but, but thank you for all your you guys contributing to that it's great to have everybody back in the room and doing this yeah. together I'm sure this is the standard way of doing it now uh, but it's been great to have a, have a chat and we'll get the previews out and perhaps drill into some more detail about some of these um, once we have a chance to look at them in detail super okay well thanks guys and um, thank you for, for joining us again on uh, this edition of Techman Talks Dynamics and we'll see you again pretty soon thank you